Let me know when. <laughs> Hello, Hockey World. Today is Monday, June 19th, 2017. I'm Jan Levine. I'm Peter Tessier. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Well, folks, it's expansion draft week, and it's NHL draft week. And, you know, believe me, after the Leafs got eliminated, that's all I really had to look forward to was expansion draft week and NHL draft week. So we are here. Um, and uh, we have some news from yesterday. The uh, protection lists for 30 NHL teams were released. There were some surprises, and we're going to talk mostly about that today. We may be joined by Eklund on route to his plane in uh, – I think it's he's leaving out of Newark, and Kevin Allen may join us, but we're going to start with, uh, you know, just some of the surprises in terms of some of the protection lists. Uh, Jan – I mean, I told everybody to take a look at the, at the list, and I think you probably everybody probably perused them. Who stood out to you as one that was just a puzzling list? Well, I mean, I think there was a couple, and it's probably been. Hey, everyone. So, uh, what? sorry, guys. Probably not the greatest. Probably not the greatest no. connection. So I'm going to let you guys go and do your thing, okay? So, uh, okay. Enjoy. Okay. Yeah. Just quick, quick, quick to know this. I'm going to update the rumor blog hour and a half. So uh, keep keep an eye out there. If you can hear me at all, you hear what I'm saying or no? <laughs> we can hear okay. you. Okay, cool. So about an hour yeah. and a half, I'll be updating the rumor blog. And uh, so have a good show from there, and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you after that. All right, Ak, thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Terry, see you. And Kevin, uh, Kevin Allen has joined us. Um, we'll, guys, we'll we'll hold off on the on the protection list for a second because let's start off with uh, you know, with Kevin. Um, the nominees for the U.S. Uh, Hockey Hall, the U.S. Hall of Fame, were announced today. I saw that former Leaf coach Ron Wilson was one of the names mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, the the linesman, uh, long uh, career, very respected official. Uh, was on the on the list, and Jackie Parker of Boston University, and Ben Smith, of course, uh, um, who's best known, even though he's had a long career in men's hockey as well, but uh, known for uh, leading the uh, U.S. women's team to the first gold medal at the 1998 uh, Olympics. It's yeah, I mean, one. I mean, you know, Jack Parker is an interesting one because BU is just an absolute powerhouse. Like, it's just, it, it's unbelievable that. He was a 40 seasons. I mean, it just to even hold a job that long is hard in this life. And to, to hold a, a head coaching job like that is just a stranglehold. And the team was so successful. I have a lot of respect for him. I, I think to me, he's actually, for me, the biggest name on that list. Yeah, I, I you know, I would say Ron Wilson is to me just because Wilson's he's, huge. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's had such a long career, and I know he didn't, you know, win the cup, but. Um, you know, certainly, um, he, you know, his importance to the U.S. hockey, like in leading the 1996 team to the World Cup uh, medal, and of course, he's been an Olympic coach, and he truly understood sort of what it was like to be an American competing against the the Canadian powerhouses. Uh, you know, when he came up, he he gave one of the great speeches of all time when the the U.S. players were preparing to compete against the Canadians in 1996. He talked about. Um, you know, he said when he first started, uh, he wasn't even in the back of the bus. He was in the luggage compartment. He was. And he said that his goal for the Americans at some point when it came to hockey, that the Americans would be driving the bus. And when uh, U.S. Uh, 
he asked each individual player what they would be willing to do. And he said, you know, he told Brian Leach, I know what Mark Messier would do. If he came across and he checked you, uh, you know, rudely um, or not, uh, based on what Canada needed, he would, you know, drive you through the boards. Are you willing to do the same thing? And he asked, went down and asked each American player to do that. And after they won the, the gold medal, his speech started, those uh, boys were now driving the bus. And most every player on that team remembers that, you know, being, uh, you know, a very inspirational pregame speech and a uh, inspirational postgame speech. I, I wonder how much Wilson's legacy would have changed if Sidney Crosby had not scored the golden goal and, say, Zach Parise had. Well, I mean, it would just have added a gold medal, uh, you know, to uh, his uh, resume for the, uh, um, you know, for the Olympics, uh, to be sure. Um, and But, you know, it's still pretty good. I think he's pretty much known as um, – uh, you know, one of the great coaches in American hockey history. And even though he really wasn't born in America, as I recall, I think he was born in Windsor um, when his I think dad, you're right. yeah, when his dad was coaching in. Uh, um, it was he's definitely American. He's very good friends. <laughs> I believe played at Providence with uh, Brian Burke. Played for Lou Lamarillo. Uh, when those, I've been with both he and Brian Burke when they're together, and it's like you know being with a bunch of high school buddies. You know, a lot of uh, that sort of. Uh, frat boy, uh, um, you know, you're ugly, no, you're uglier type uh, uh, <laughs> that, that sort of thing. It's actually quite fun to be with Ron Wilson and Brian Burke when they're they're together. But, you know, he's very uh, – I've always loved his attitude. He takes it seriously. He took international competition seriously. It was important to him that the other guy who I felt – was probably even took it to a, a greater um, degree was uh, Chris Chelios. Chelios, you know, international competition very, very seriously. Um, maybe just even more, just even more so than Ron Wilson. But Ron Wilson was, you know, was right up there. And I agree with uh, Russ's assessment on Jackie Parker as well. And you know, really a, a very good uh, a class uh, for the USA hockey. Mm. Um, Kevin, we were um, we were going to go around the horn, so to speak, because you know the thirty NHL teams released their protected list. I thought there were some stra rather strange uh, omissions in terms of players being protected. Now we know that there are some trades that are already in place. There pro there may be some other ones that will take place today. Although George McPhee has come out and said that today is today is the deadline. Is like if you want to. If you want to make sure um, you want to protect a particular player on your roster that is exposed, that today is the deadline, and then apparently he's going to start um, like shopping those players to other teams in terms of like it being uh, Vegas being sort of the middleman. But uh, Dan, with you first, uh, who you know, what team out there were you a little intrigued by or puzzled by in their selections or omissions? I mean, I think. <clears throat> top of the bat, you mentioned the Islanders, but I think given that we all believe that there's a side deal or pretty much reported wow. side deal, that one kind of gets thrown aside because of the fact we know there's probably a first rounder going back. But I think clearly Florida, Jonathan Marcheseau being exposed and granted, um, you know, his advanced metrics aren't great, but a guy who can put the puck in the net 
um, who's not that old is clearly somebody who's going to have some interest, especially to a Vegas team that's that's looking to build something for the future. So I think that's kind of probably part one. And then part two probably has to be Peter Morazic getting exposed as opposed to Jimmy Howard. And Morazic wasn't particularly great last year, but um, he definitely was better at times than Howard. Howard's got a much bigger cap hit in the longer term. And the likelihood of Vegas taking Howard maybe over Morazic is probably a bit less likely. So I was a bit surprised that they exposed Morazic and, and ended up protecting Howard as opposed to going vice versa there. Peter? Sorry, oh, and my, my protect list. I, one of the, I think Florida was a little surprising. Um, Marcheseau and Smith being available, not to mention choosing Rhyme Rover Longo. Now that's a contractual thing. But um, I, I'm sure, obviously, there's, there's, you know, Florida would be a team I'd be looking at to wonder if they have some deals in place to protect those guys, um, at least, uh, you know, Smith and Marcheseau. Uh, the other weird one for me was um, St. Louis protecting Ryan Reeves. I mean, really? Ryan Reeves? Hey, okay. <laughs> Whatever. Good in the room. That's what it is. Peter, I'm not saying Ryan Reeves isn't a bad guy. I'm just saying you're looking at what's your most valuable assets, and is is he that good in the room? Because he's not that great on the ice. He fills a role, but he's you know it's just an odd one. Well, let, let me let me ask let me ask Kevin this. Um, I mean, there was there was a similar reaction of like, what the hell are you doing from Maple Leaf when they, when they when they protected Matt Martin over young guys like Brendan Leipzig or Kirby Reichel? And my interpretation of that and my interpretation of St. Louis is. They're more interested in competing, like, stay right away. They think that they're very competitive, and Ryan Reeves and Matt Martin are two similar type of players who are there because of what they do in the locker room and their protection of their star players on the ice. And that's more valuable to Doug Armstrong and Lou Lamorello than a 22-year-old kid like Brendan Leipzig, who might be a very good player, but – might not be. You know what you're getting in Matt Martin, and St. Louis knows what they're getting in Ryan Reeves. That's why I think they're protected. What do you think, Kevin? Well, I, I think it's even simpler than that. It, you know, the Reeves situation, just look at the Blues available players, and what you will notice is they're not losing anybody. Like, uh, you know, this wasn't a either-or situation. Like, I, I, I had a hard time trying to figure out who would Vegas would want. Um you know, I think the Blues fans think it would be David Perrone because, you know, he could be a 20-goal scorer. But, you know, he is not, uh, you know, like Perrone is, 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 you know, is not considered a valuable player. Um, you know, he's just a guy that scores goals. He's kind of sort of um, just sort of viewed as a, you know, kind of an average player. And there was really nobody that I felt that St. Louis was worried about losing. And so they're allowed then to be able to keep a guy that they dislike, like Reeves, who's good in the room. And would have exposed Matt Martin. He was gone. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean, Joe felt in the West they needed to have some toughness. Martin can play the game and be tough. And uh, um, you know they got to have they you know money really. I don't want to say it's no object, but you know they got to get to the floor. Um, and they would rather have a guy who you know has a strong reputation for being able to do his job and do it well. And I think Martin would have been. You know the guy, so um, you know I, I think more 
filled through those situations. Like the Morassic thing was less shocking to me. Like I, I wrote basically the same thing everybody else did that either uh, Morassic than Jimmy Howard. Um, but you know, the issue is here is character. Um, Jimmy Howard is to the Red Wings what um, Fleury is to Pittsburgh. High quality human being, very well liked, played better than Morazic. Mm-hmm. And Morazic has not endeared himself to his teammates. Right. He uh, doesn't play well with others in terms of uh, this season. There was an incident that um, started to make the rounds regarding a discussion with a uh, senior member of the Red Wings who had asked him to uh, um, stay after practice and take shots um, for some of the injured players. Uh, uh, Morasic's uh, uh, response was unfavorable, and uh, I think that just set the uh, tone for the situation. He, with goalie coaches, and to be honest, I think the Red Wings, and um, I uh, him and just really didn't find any takers because that stuff gets around. Russ, can Rathic we'll, uh, still, still be a great goalie? Maybe. He's still young. And, you know, now that he's available, maybe everyone will re- hold, revisit it. I, I'm pretty sure George McPhee will call the Winnipeg Jets. He'll call the Philadelphia Flyers. He'll call the Vancouver Canucks. He'll, he'll – uh, call the uh, a Colorado Avalanche and say, does any of you have any uh, Buffalo Sabres, uh, Morazic? If so, what will you give me? Uh, and if he doesn't find uh, a good answer to that, he'll take, take Riley Shane. That's what I think they'll do there. Russ, what, do you, what, uh, what team sort of stood out for you? Okay, well, first off, I will say I'm not surprised about Marsh Assault because even though I've always been a fan of his, he had a career year. He played an insane amount of ice time with a team that was very injured. I think they looked at that and said, are we going to get the same kind of year out of them? And they, they didn't feel like they could, and I think that's why they put him out there. The Rangers surprised me because they used to have a great defense core. We all used to love it. Now they're protecting Nick Holden. Nick Holden, a guy who's got one year left on a cheap deal, who's a, really a defensive liability and especially was in the playoffs. Now, here's the interesting part. If they really covet Brendan Smith the way they say they do, I understand you're protecting him just to have his rights, but this is the New York Rangers. You definitely could get Brendan Smith signed with his rights. Now you're sort of leaving it to maybe like a handshake agreement when all of a sudden it goes to free agency that Smith will re-sign with you. Like that's – they've sort of left that up in the air. And then, of course, Antti Ranta, we all believe there's a side deal with that. If there isn't a side deal, the Rangers are in trouble because they are not going to get the same kind of quality backup. The other team was the Flyers. Protecting Scott Lawton is a head-scratcher. It's a real head-scratcher because they let Nick Cousins go, who's got speed, who I thought played well at times last year, and they're keeping Lawton because they're touting his two-way play and his face-offs, and that's all well and good, but he doesn't have any foot speed. That's what's kept Scott Lawton down for this long is when the game got faster, because he literally got drafted as the game got faster. When the game got faster, he didn't. So I'm really surprised that they kept Scott Lawton because that one, I wouldn't have kept him. Well, the one the one that surprised me, I mean, it's a, for a little bit of a different reason than everybody else mentioned, was, I mean, there were a few that, 
that sort of bothered me. Florida was one, but not because of Marcia so. But you can tell that the general manager, that there's a change in philosophy going back to Dale Talon because Marchesho was brought in by the analytics group that headed the Florida Panthers. And uh, they also signed Jason Demers, and they protected Mark Pizik and, and Alex Petrovic over a guy that they signed to a five-year contract as a defenseman in Jason Demers. Now, maybe they think they overpaid for him, and they, there's no risk of putting him out there but still, that that speaks volumes to me that they that they exposed a thirty goal scorer and and somebody who uh, you know last year was purported to be a pretty good defenseman. Um, Anaheim obviously has a deal with Vegas in place. There's no way that they would have exposed Vatnin or Manson, so that doesn't really surprise me. But everything I you know and and you know I'm I'm not so I I don't hear everything that's going on there. And Kevin, you may know. You definitely no more than me, but I haven't heard any kind of side deal talk between Vegas and Minnesota, and that means Matt Dumba, <coughs> Matt Dumba is out there, and Matt Dumba is a pretty good young defenseman. I mean, that if there are teams like Toronto out there, and I know that Toronto probably will be looking to Vegas to see maybe they can make one of those swappity do type of trades. If Matt Dumba is out there, and, and Minnesota hasn't made a deal with Vegas. Matt Dumba's going either to Vegas or somebody else. There's no way that they'll take him. Well, first of all, there was no deal in place um, when the production list went up. I can tell you that. Right. With Minnesota. Now, that doesn't mean Chuck tried to organize that now. But here's my take on that. I, I agree with you that there will be a, an, an auction. And to be honest, there are as many people who like as Matt Dumba. Uh, you know, for some reasons, can't. Admirers out there, um, mm. and uh, but saying that, I think Dumba is the guy that would get the most uh, uh, value. But now, but here's what I ask: in this, at some point, though, don't you have to think of your own team, like defensemen or offensive-minded defensemen are a very hard commodity to find. And Dumba has had 21 goals in the last two seasons. He's still relatively young. If I'm Vegas, the guys that I draft for myself for the for my team are Dumba for sure, because he's younger and still has an upside, and James Neal in Nashville, because, you know, they're not going to have any goals. Like, I think we're all going to like Las Vegas' uh, defense going to score the goals for him. So, you know, you bring in Neal, and he's got one year left. You, you play him most of the year, and then next line, depending on where you're at, you move him out, and you get a second-round pick and a prospect. Pick and a prospect. So, um, um, is that me? Is that no. Me? So, somebody, no. somebody just turned no, up their somebody, volume. Somebody just turned up their volume. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Okay. 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 Oh, sorry. Okay, about that, guys. Yeah. Yeah. I think, okay. I think it was you, Peter, because uh, there's not an echo. Um, just okay. turn on your volume, your volume if you could. No. Well, yeah. I mean. Yeah, you're right. George McPhee has to has to build a team, and if there are opportunity young players, you know he has to think. I mean, it's going to be nice, he, and he's going to be able to get a good return on a number of players. But at some point, he's going to say, "This is somebody I want to keep for myself." Well, here, here's um, here, here's one important point though that I don't think is getting enough play in the world. The difference between the previous expansion teams and the Vegas Golden Knights 
Uh, everybody just, you know, they were going to get a better shake. They're going to be a better team. But what's happened, and this has turned out to be ingenious, is like I don't think they're going to be nearly as good as the NHL Envision when they first put this together. Um, but what's happened, and I don't think people realize this was going to happen, is they are going to collect a lot of assets that's going to allow them to expedite, you know, their growth as a team. And by that, I mean, you know, they're going to have a minimum of three first-rounders and probably four um, in this draft. And they're going to have maybe one next year and lots of draft picks to pick up some prospects. So now, you know, they're going to have a team better than – more importantly, they're going to have a cache of assets that's going to allow them to grow quickly. They're going to be able to turn those uh, – draft picks and and a lot of them are going to be first rounders and second rounders you know into real players that you know so we won't see like a 19 year uh, wait for the Nashville Predators to get in the Stanley Cup uh, right. final so I, I right. think I don't know if it, I don't want to call it an unintended consequence because I think people realize that this would happen but I don't think they anticipated to what extent it's going to happen I don't know that when they put this in place they thought wow Las Vegas is going to end up five or six prospects from other teams and four or five first rounders. I, I, I'm not sure that's what the thing, but that's how it's going to work out. And that's, what's going to really help. Them. I'll tell you the other thing well, that right. we talked about Kev is the fact that if all these GMs were smart, they should have all gotten on a conference call conference and all said, who do you not want to lose? Who do you want to lose? Who do you want to lose? Because no, you're, you're still, no, you're, you're, you're still, still echoing here. You're still echoing. Log off and log, log back, off on back on Peter. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Keep okay. going, Russ. If, the, if all the other GMs had gotten on a conference call together, I think they could have figured out via trade and everything else who they'd want and who the other team would want to pick up. Because now, as a result, with trades stalling and not enough trades being made, this list is so far way better than, at least on to the naked eye right now, than probably some of these GMs expected. They probably expected they would have deals in place or have traded some of these guys and now all of a sudden, they're waiting, and, and there's no trade, and and well, that's I, the bad part. I, I think what you're missing in this, though, uh, Russ, is and because when I've talked to GMs, the reason they they told me there was no trades is is because they couldn't fit the new guy into their protected eight. That's oh. what caused the problem. So you know they wanted the guys, but to do that, they would have had to move someone off their list, and they were unwilling to do that. What they wanted is. They add a guy, but it was hard for them to get. You know, too many more teams took the eight than it had been anticipated. Everybody assumed it would be a seven, three, and one. And so those teams that had eight, there's no way that because the the, the t you know when you were acquiring players, they were people that were going to go on the other team's uh, you know unprotected list because they couldn't fit them. Well, they would have to fit in yours too. The only team who was able, you know, like New Jersey, was able to add. Merco, because they didn't have anybody. Well, but again, I'll go back to the Rangers. You're trying to tell me there was nobody out there in trade better than Nick Holden? I'll disagree with that. Well, yeah, but, but Russ, this, this dope. so I blogged, I wrote on this a little bit. So in terms of the Ronta, I personally don't think that Ronta was moved because I don't think they would have gotten an asset back. They really wanted one that was not required to be protected as mm -hmm. part of the protection or be the kind of picks right. they want. Also, you're going to have to expose Skapsky. You were going to lose Ronta, and you were going to lose another asset to Vegas. 
if you didn't have Ron to, to put on the list. So the viewpoint probably was, look, we're going to lose somebody. Let's just make sure we only lose one and we don't lose two. I was of the viewpoint, I wrote also, I would have protected Brendan Smith. I would have opted not to give Vegas the one one hundredth of a percent opportunity to possibly sign him to a long-term deal. But their viewpoint might have been, we have a guy who scored 11 goals for us. He's making $1.65 million. He is a defensive liability, but you might be able to put him on the third line. I don't agree with the view, but I think that's kind of the viewpoint that they had. But I did say I personally would have gone and added Brendan Smith to the list and left Holden out there on the hopes that maybe you entice Vegas to take Holden and you keep Faust and Lindbergh and Ranta and, and the guys you want to keep as opposed to losing one of them and retaining Holden on the roster. But given what the requirements seem to be in terms of picks, Rangers aren't going to give up a first-round pick for that opportunity. Now, didn't, they, didn't they expose Grabner as well, which I yeah. thought – yeah, I thought that they wouldn't. They wouldn't do that. Yeah, top score. Yeah, but but who yeah. else are you not going to expose there? You're not going to expose. You're going to you're going to put Hayes on the list. You're going to not. I, expose listen, him. I'm I'm going to be honest. I would have kept Grabner over Hayes because Kevin Hayes at this point yeah. had a horrible playoff, mm-hmm. and Michael Grabner was their top scorer. If you lose Grabner, even though we're all saying, "Hey, he had the greatest year. He buried every every opportunity he had on a breakaway." Even if he buries half of those, he's better than Kevin Hayes. Like, that could be a big loss. And how are they getting those 30 goals back? That's what I want to know. I'm not even concerned about the 30 goals. I'm concerned about what happened with Haglin with the loss of speed. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to keep Grabber. A, he had about four or five breakaways a game and hit maybe one one at (laughs) most. He had a 16.8 shooting percentage. So we don't expect that to continue again this year. But the speed that he had and the ability on the penalty kill especially was a huge component of what that third line did this season. By the by the way, Kevin uh, Russ and I had a bet with Eklund regarding uh, the uh, eight skaters and one and one goaltender. He thought that the over under on that was I think really it was a two Russ. It was and two. We, so if you went three or more, he lost. Oh, right. good heaven. And it, was, <laughs> and it ended up being seven teams. I mean, uh, yeah, and the the Islanders being the weirdest one, and nobody else picked. Yeah, the situation was the honest uh you know just you know to have to have to go to them now and say i'll give you a first round pick if you leave our forwards alone and boy what a good deal that is for vegas so of the, course, it, it's a great deal for them well and the, and, first- and, and, and the thing is thing is kev is that we russ and i maybe had an indication of you know we couldn't put the pieces together until just recently but the, the Islanders had a very, very limited presence at the, at, the, at the draft combine, which to me means they already knew they were going to trade their first-round pick to, to, uh, to Vegas. That's why they didn't invest so much time. They were there for a couple days, they weren't, and they didn't talk to, you know, there were, if, if there were like 20, if a player talked for 20 to 28 or 29 teams, invariably the two or three teams they didn't talk to, one of them was the Islanders. So they didn't talk to anybody, and they weren't there that long. So it sounded like they were they were set, or they had already made a deal with McPhee that they were going to trade their first round pick and go this direction. Here's the weird yeah. thing too: in the last year, it seems like Garth Snow has lost the ability to make a trade. Like there has been so many things he's really needed to do, and hasn't been able to to pull the trigger on any of it. There were a couple of years ago he was making good trades. Like it's just. That has gone completely south for the Islanders, and it's it's going to hurt them. Losing that first round pick is going to hurt them. 
you know, the Islanders are such a funny situation because, you know, before the show started, we were talking a little bit about Arizona. What point do you start to build something? The Islanders have been trying to build something. They just keep kind of failing at it. And that's a really good point, Russ. You know, I think I can't, it was Russ, Kevin, you were Russ who mentioned the um, idea that, you know, why didn't these GMs get together? And, and I was thinking about that too, in that why didn't they get together and just say, okay, Here's the deal. We know we're all going to lose a player. We just put it back to McPhee to say, you be careful who you take because you still have to do business with us. Right. And But the yep. problem with that is GM club, the first rule of GM club is you have to be nice. And I want these guys to get a little meaner to say, you know what? We, You go ahead. You go ahead, George. You t- you be very careful on who you take from us because you, your owner may have paid $500 million, but you're going to have to do business with all 30 of us in the next couple of years. And you just remember that before you start taking picks. And I'm really surprised I didn't, well, I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed a level of, hey, shot across the bow, buddy. Watch yourself didn't come out because it should. They've got some leverage too. It's not just all on McPhee. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, I, Peter, you said that because I said it to Russ, to, uh, to Mike right before we started this call, is the same thing is, is McPhee's talking very big now, but he's also got to remember that the, that the shoe the shoe can flip very quickly, and he's going to be on the other side of all GMs looking to take advantage of him. And then, Russ, on your point on the Islanders, I can tell you right now, as you know, I live about 10 minutes from what I still call the mausoleum as a Rangers fan. And I can tell you all of my buddies out here, a lot of them did not migrate in terms of their fan base to Brooklyn. They don't particularly like the commute. They don't particularly like the arena. They don't like the sight lines. They don't like a whole bunch. And the fan base has really dwindled to a certain extent from out here because of the migration of them to Brooklyn. So... If there is a move back either to Elmont or somewhere else, I think it would reinvigorate the fan base. But they, I think they miscalculated what the impact would be on moving from Long Island out to Brooklyn. Kevin, I, I don't think it's going to get antagonistic between the other GMs and George McPhee because it's the sort of same agreement that they have regarding restricted free agency. Yeah, so- I, I, yeah I've been listening to this, and I, I don't even know what you're talking about. I, you know, I mean, I live, live in that world talking to GMs, and I don't find anybody's – Bad at George McPhee, and I think everybody's, you know, he's basically uh, had a good time doing this, and for the most part, most of the GMs, I think no one feels like Dick George is mistreating him or holding him over the barrel. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of them knew what was going to happen. The, the Islanders issue, I mean, we can talk all we want about whether, you know, Garth Snow has done a good job, but there is a lot of players that are the same. You know, like, it, it you know, they their forward group, if you're talking Josh Bailey or um, who's the other guy there? It's another big forward Brian there. Strong uh, was on Brock Nelson. Yeah, Brock Nelson. Like, those are all three pretty good players, but they're not great players. Right. And, um, and the defense, they had a lot of sameness, you know, once you get beyond Letty and Boychuk. Uh, yeah. And I think they felt that, they their defense would be harder to replace, so they put all their emphasis on that, and they tried to tempt them by leaving a Calvin DeHaan there, and they figure this is a poor draft. Like I, it, it's terrible to be in a position to have to give a first round pick to save your forward group. But I I don't see it as it's just one of those things. You got to lose somebody. Uh, you know everybody does, but you know I I'd rather lose I, a player I, that I already know what it is. Than a player that I'm not sure that could necessarily be like one of my best players in the future. That's fair. I mean, I I, I get 
all that. And I, I wonder too whether they're overpaying for this. Um, everybody that's given the if the deal that the that's been reported on Columbus like that, that like like they basically paid a first round pick um, to pass on. Um, Jack Johnson. Yeah, Jack Johnson. And I don't think if going to take Jack Johnson. I mean, does anybody believe they were going to select Jack Johnson? That he? No. No, I I, I don't see that. Honestly, honestly, Kevin, I think the first round pick is more to take on David Clarkson's contract because, and in in, in a way, and I've used this analogy before, David Clarkson's contract is like a a $5 million coupon for the Vegas Golden Knights because he's never going to play again. He's, uh, he's getting, they're going to getting almost, I think it's 80% reimbursement on the contract from insurance. And they have to reach yeah. the cap, and they have to reach the cap floor. So it basically, it's a guy who's never going to play for them, and they're never going to get to the top of the cap in the first three years. So it's it's a benefit for Vegas, and it's a benefit for Columbus because they clear the money, and now they can go spend that elsewhere because they're a team that's going to be competitive, or at least they think they're going to be competitive in the next few years. So uh, I agree with I you. Mean, we, don't, we don't know the extent of the deal yet. Is it going to include sure. Carlton too? Um, the, the rumors, the rumors are. Aaron Portsline indicated in his column a couple days ago that the deal would encompass uh, Clarkson going to Vegas, the, the the their first round pick going to Vegas, and Vegas limiting their uh, their picks to uh, you know guys like William Carlson or Matt Calvert. Um, right, he, right. He had mentioned Ryan Murray, but they protected Ryan Murray, so that wasn't accurate. But well, that's, I, I guess my, I mean my point is still the same. That's a <laughs> lot. That's that, a lot. You know they're giving up Carlson and a first round pick to get rid of Clarkson. That's exactly. a lot. It's now their... Russ, go ahead. Sorry, Russ. If 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 all the deals that we think are going to take place do take place, if it's the Islanders, if it's Anaheim, if it's Columbus, then Vegas has four first round picks, and that's being conservative here. I mean things may change, but in this draft, this is. I mean it's not a terrible draft. It's they no, can... they'll, get, they'll get some good players and. They're just not going to get players that they can insert in their lineup, which most drafts you can anyhow. So I think they would do very well. I, I think they're going to do great. Like if I were the Islanders, I would have offered Vegas a second-round pick to take Brock Nelson so I don't lose my first-round pick. That's what I would have done because if they don't value Brock Nelson anyhow, you probably could have tempted McPhee to take him because he is a pretty decent young player. He's going to score 15 goals on a on a right. team in Vegas. Like I, I just would have done that because – there's so many guys, like just as an example, if it's Cody Glass that that turns into one of these Islander picks, and it won't be, but I'm just saying, if it's a guy of that nature or even a really great center or a really great defenseman, fans are going to look back at that and say, what did we get out of this? So if the Islanders don't do really well this season, they're going to look horrible in retrospect. That's what's going to happen. Now, Columbus, they could at least get a player with the cap savings so at right. least there's something that they could prove to the fan base. Look, we couldn't wait on this player in the draft, so we're going to get somebody that will help our team today. Okay, they at least did something that could help them. The Islanders didn't really do anything that could help them other than lose, not losing a player that they valued, which, again, isn't really upgrading your team. At least Columbus can upgrade, and, of course, Vegas is, is upgrading just by opening the doors. Peter, uh, we were talking before the show started about about uh, guys like uh, Enstrom who have one year left in their contract. The other guy that sort of 
you know, is uh, that I, I look at as uh, as a gem that other teams might want, not Vegas, but but other teams is Mathot. I mean, specifically on Enstrom. I mean, does he have enough left that at five point seven five? A million for an that be interested in making some sort of deal with Vegas to flip to get. Him. I, I think I think he does. I, Toby Enstrom, although a diminutive player in terms of size, he has weathered a lot of abuse. He you know he has had some you know some durability concerns, but he's still a smart puck moving defenseman. He reads the point very well. When he's playing in the offensive zone, he has some instincts there that allow him to manage the puck and his position quite well. And I think there's a lot of teams that could use a player like that. I think the interesting thing is, as we talk about dollars, if Vegas were to take him and flip him, maybe they'd retain some salary, which would help their cap situation as well, too. So, sure. and, and the other thing with Enstrom is, you know, he's a free agent after this year. He's already waived his, his not MC. He could be a valuable piece for Vegas at the trade deadline too, or another team if it didn't work out. I think you know he has to be open to understanding that, but you know there's value there. I agree. Yeah, uh, that, that's that's why. Yeah, Math- I mean, my thought, Kevin. I mean, there was a lot of talk before the protection list came out that Ottawa was trying, uh, and it turns out to be in vain, trying to trade Dion Phaneuf in order to be able to protect Mathot because Mathot is the defensive partner of Eric Carlson. And you don't want to piss off Eric Carlson when he's got short-term left on his contract. He's only got, I think, two years left. And Mathot is his defensive partner, apparently a good friend of his as well. And, I mean, that see, I would think that Pierre Dorian would try to make some sort of deal. He may have with, touched him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I would hope so because if they lose Mathot, I mean – and especially if he gets flipped someplace else, a team like Montreal or a team like Toronto in their own division who desperately need defensemen, that could be very, very wounding to, to Ottawa. What do you think? I, I hope they have, they've cut the deal already because there'll be an auction for him because I agree. I think he's one of the guys that teams will covet uh, uh, just because he's accustomed to playing against top-line uh, players and a stay-at-home guy. Um, and I, I, I think they'll get high, high value for him. So, uh, you know, if, if Dorian was smart, he would have cut this deal um, prior to uh, making him available because, um, you know, I, I just think they don't want to lose him. I completely agree, and that would be a big loss for them, a major loss. Yeah. Now, um, there was reported, I, I believe it was uh, TSN's Darren Drager reported that the Vegas had started talks – uh, had at least approached uh, Edmonton Oilers defenseman who's a UFA, Chris Russell. What I now they can talk to UFAs and RFAs who haven't been qualified already. They have that that uh, freedom to do that early. I'm just questioning how extensive their pursuit of UFAs will be, Kevin. Because I mean, do you really want to tie up? What you well else you have available because obviously if they sign that player that counts as that player from that team. So the right. oil, the oil are not giving up anything. You know, there's nobody there. You know, Griffin Reinhardt is not getting everybody all excited in in Vegas. <laughs> so uh, you know, to them that probably we to get a guy that uh, you know you think you can help and you know that's a better situation than what they have. Um, 
So, I, I mean, I, I, I think that's a smart move. Yeah, uh, I right, I, I agree. I just don't know how anxious. Now, you know, for a guy like Chris Russell, who I, who I believe is 31 years old, I don't think, you know, Vegas is going to have to sign him to a five-year deal. It's probably going to be a two- or three-year deal because he's over the age of 30. But for younger, you uh, Shattenkirk or Alsner, you know, who, who, uh, who McPhee had from going back to the, the Capitals days. Yeah, he's probably gonna, he's probably, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's it's so funny to me, too. It's like, you know, so many teams are looking for if there's nobody there. But you look at all these available defensemen now, and it just it just seems like a plethora of, of quality defensemen who could help so many different teams. I mean, you know, we just talked about Calvin DeHaan and Hickey and, uh, you know, Manson and Vatanen are exposed. And, uh, um, like, every team is – and they have to because – the way there is a lot, there's no scores, but boy, there are a lot of defensemen out there um, that a lot of teams would. I think you'll see Vegas take uh, uh, a whole a, a bushel full of defensemen and then trade a lot of them. Yeah, I think that's I think that's safe to say because because right now right now you know defense. The the is so infl- are, is so inflated now that it's 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 definitely currency. Now, the, the the question I have though is the goaltending. I mean, Mark Andre Fleury appears that he's going to go to Vegas, but we don't know if he's going to stay there. I think he um, is. I think he's going to stay there. Yeah, I, I, you know that's the impression I'm that he was said he would be willing to be the expansion team's goalie, and they're committed to him now. Who knows? I mean, will Philadelphia make an offer? I, you know, I don't know. Will Winnipeg? I don't, you know, I don't know what. Could, he's prepared for that. I think he's prepared to be their, be their goalie. So, Kevin, is it is it your feeling that there's going to be? I mean, because frankly, um, the 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 pre freeze deadline was a little disappointing. We had a few deals. We, yeah. you know, we had the Montreal deal uh, for Bill Bulio. We had Mike Smith, but there wasn't as many deals as we thought. I mean, are we expecting there to be a ton of deals involving Vegas that will be announced on either Wednesday or Thursday, or do you think it's going to be you know below expectations? No, no. I think there'll be multiple deals. Uh, like I, I've got to believe there'll be at least 10, uh, maybe 15. Um, and they're going to involve uh, um, a lot of the players that are going to be, uh, you know, when they go through all the players, they'll say who it is they took, and then we're going to go through, and you're going to find that half those guys are going to have been dealt, you know, right. to other any. You really believe a lot of these defensemen are going to end up on, on other teams. I got to tell you, I think the smartest deal was the Bullio deal because for, yeah. for Buffalo, I mean, they just – they literally got themselves yeah. – a second power play defenseman who is a fast skater and still has upside. He's 24. He's still not going to be exactly what he's going to be. And Montreal wasn't really giving him a ton of power play time. This guy has a lot more ability than I think he was able to show. And so that was a really shrewd move. I like that deal too. I did. Yeah. And, and I'll go so I was just going to say, and Buffalo was one of the few teams who did had space to protect them, right? That's the other key, yeah. right? They, they pounced at the right moment because they who cares about their defense, right? Well, I mean, Jan, again, 
like I said this on on Friday, and I, I puzzled Eck by my by my uh, my analysis. But I don't understand what Montreal is doing right now. I mean, we know that there's you know there are probably moves to come, but right now you trade you traded your best young defensive prospect for a really talented winger. And, you know, Russ brought up the fact that, and I've heard now I've heard over the weekend, I mean, their plan might be to move him to center. And I, I, I don't, I don't know about that. And then they trade Bouillou who they clearly wanted to move on from and they got a third round pick for him. They're apparently allergic to any defenseman who does, who is under the age of 30. I, I don't know what Montreal is doing right now. And Bergevin is purportedly a pretty smart GM, but, Right now, if things just stood the way they are, I don't know what they're doing. Well, I, I think one of these defensemen that's going to be drafted is going to go to Montreal. I, I don't know who it'll be, but I think one of them. Yeah. But here's another Dan, one that's puzzling. So, so, wait, let, let, let you... so I was going to say is, I mean, I know there's all the rumors about Galchenyuk getting dealt, and I guess the, the, the secondary part of it was that now would be for a defenseman just because they've gotten rid of two of them. I mean, the Sergachev move for Druin, I mean, Juwin's got a ton of pressure on him playing in Montreal, but I think he's got the talent to succeed. And there's been talk about pairing him with Galchenyuk. The volume move, to me, doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, granted, he hasn't panned out maybe as much as they would have thought, but to a certain extent, A, they gave him away with a third-round pick. I don't think they got an enormous amount back from him. And B, as you said, to move on from another young defenseman on a blue line that's questionable right now anyway um, just seems to be a misuse of assets. So that that's one where... That's the one I think that's more of a head scratch than anything else. The Sergachev one, you can say, hopefully if they bring if they do bring back Radulov and you have Radulov, Drew, and Galchenyuk, now you've improved your offense. Conversely, though, maybe they just feel that Carey Price will stand on a set every night and win you games that way just because they have nobody on the blue line other than maybe Weber. Markov is aging, and they don't have a ton else there that's really ready right now to step in and fill roles. Yeah, everybody's – go ahead, go ahead, Russ. Here's the other one that was puzzling. It was Arizona. They, they, they trade Mike Smith. Trade Mike Smith. Okay, his trade value is high. They, they don't protect Domingue. Go ahead. Domingue is, Domingue is unprotected, right? Yep. So who's their goalie next year? I mean, Merrick Matson was a good trade. I like that trade, but he's three, four years away. Who is their goalie? Like, they seem totally okay with going into not only the expansion draft, but free agency, not even knowing who their number one goalie is, like, how am I supposed to wonder when Arizona is going to get they their franchise goalie? goalie. We, they know who their goalie is going to be. We just – Okay. That's right. fair. But they – but they, the, the puzzling thing, Russ, was they protected and, – and I'm not attacking him, but they protected Luke Shen. And I, I never thought that Luke Shen would be a guy that you would, you would protect. I mean, you know, I mean, they're – okay. I'm, I'm – Again, just who who did they leave off? I mean, they're 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 worse than St. Louis. Like, like well, they're wait. Wait, there's nobody to take off the Arizona, uh, you know, because there's and, nobody else there. Like, and that, and see, and, and that's and that's the point, that's Kevin. The they protected they, they protected eight skaters because they wanted to protect less. They wanted to protect. They protected Luke Shen because they didn't want to protect Rodham Verbata or some of these forwards. They actually wanted to get rid of them or at least expose them to the possibility of being get of getting rid of them and that's that's just bizarre but okay um okay we'll we'll end the show here we're not sure what's going to go on in terms of our schedule 
schedule for the webcasts this week. Uh, I know that Wednesday uh, we're probably not going to be doing anything because Russ and I will be driving to Chicago. Uh, we may I don't be know if I can drive. Like I'm a little worried. <laughs> we 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 may we may we may do one tomorrow, but it might be with, with Act from Europe along with me and whoever else. But we it will. Like Thelma and Louise, I'm just warning people. Yeah, there. <laughs> We will, we will. The, I don't even want to know who's playing the Brad Pitt role in this one. So, let's not go there, please. <laughs> okay, for but two thirds of the show could maybe not be coming back. That's that's what we're trying to let the people know. Yes, I'm I'm an excellent driver. Uh, <laughs> we get to vote. You don't get to vote. No, damn. And so sure what's going to happen on Thursday or on Friday on draft day. So we will keep, we will let you know to stay tuned to hockeybuzz.com uh, for Kevin Allen, for Jan Levine, for Pete Tessier, for Russ Cohen, for Eklund, who was here for about two seconds. I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. And remember without the buzz, it's just hockey.